Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall are celebrating 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This week, Donald Perkins will be here helping us understand Bible prophecy and the realities of heaven. Author Michael Brown will reveal the reasons behind why so many people today are abandoning their Christian faith. And today, staff evangelist Josh Davis will visit with Charles Martin to look at what the Bible says about giants. As we begin our time together this week, I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. So request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Now, let's go inside the studio and join staff evangelist Josh Davis and his guest, Charles Martin, as they discuss what the Bible has to say about giants. Are they legends and lore, or are they real? I'm excited to be joined by author Charles Martin, Jr., and we'll be discussing two of his books. The first one we're going to talk about today is about giants. If you're a regular listener to Southwest Radio Ministries, you know that we have the Marginal Mysteries Division. Micah Van Hus heads that up for us, and we love to discuss these kinds of concepts and these things that are sometimes on the margins, and that's the kind of thing that we'll be discussing today. However, the book Giants is a unique book, and I'll share that with you in just a few minutes. First, let me welcome the author, Charles Martin Jr., to our program. Charles, we welcome you to Watchmen on the Wall. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate being here. It's a pleasure. So your book Giants is unique. A lot of the information that we share on our radio program is geared towards adults. It's serious books. It's deep dives into some of these issues. And we talk about a lot of serious things, not that your things are not serious to talk about, but this book on giants is mainly geared towards kids, towards families. Can you talk about what inspired you to write this book in this manner for this audience? I have to give 100% credit to the publisher. I had originally written it for adults, and uh, they kind of wrote me back and they said, they said, you know, we've got this series called uh, Legends and Lore, and they had done a Noah's Ark. I think they had done Dragons, and they said, we want to add this to the lineup. And I didn't really want to do that. I'd never written a kid's book. I'd, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. And God was like, don't, don't think more highly of yourself than you deserve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of went, well, okay, all right, we'll, we'll do it. That was their idea. My editor over there, Craig, he kind of designed all the elements, and then of of course Bill Bill Looney did the illustrations, and they just did a fantastic job, won an award for it. So mm. I have to give them all the credit on that. Well, this is an amazing concept, and the artwork, as you mentioned, is just superb. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's stunning. Oh yeah, and uh, they did a, a fantastic job with that. What is it that's intrigued you about the stories of giants and those kinds of things in the scripture? It was a combination of the scripture and giant legends. So, and I think we're talking about flood legends, but I had already written that. That came first. 
and I was kind of drawn to mythology in general as a result of that. And so I, I began looking at various giant legends and seeing how widespread they were and seeing how they were mentioned in the Bible. Obviously, Goliath is a famous one. Mm-hmm. But there are a few other references, and, and, and I started noticing parallels between myth, other mythologies and within Scripture seeing hints that indicated what we were reading in other mythology. For example, before the flood in, in Genesis, Genesis 6, we're told that you know the earth is violent and lawless, and in a lot of mythology, giants were violent and lawless before they were destroyed by, by whatever god that culture had. And I, I just said, well, you know, that's, I think it could be coincidence, or maybe, maybe we're looking at a real history that most people don't consider. Mm-hmm. You know, they read these and think fairy tales. I read the Bible, I, I think truth, but when I start seeing these fairy tales sort of add to that and go, I think we can probably say that there's evidence for it as a history. So. Yes, yeah, and you mentioned one of the most famous giants in the Bible, Goliath. Some people take that whole scene to be pure, made-up, fairy tale kind of thing. Do you think Goliath was a real person, or is this just a, a made-up fairy tale kind of a story? There is nothing in it that indicates fairy tale, right? At that point in time, we know from history that Israel was fighting the Philistines. We know that Goliath, as a person from a lineage, that lineage existed. We know that the place where the battle happened existed. We know that David was real. There's nothing about it that screams fake. We also know that giantism does exist. It is a medical condition called acromegaly. And oftentimes, you know, people can grow to be very, very, very large. And there's nothing in it that actually says this is a fairy tale. And even if we were to say, okay, fine, the story itself is made up, you'd have to say, well, what was the point? Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of that story? Fairy tales also always teach a lesson. And this doesn't read like a lesson. It reads like, here's this shepherd. He came to give his brothers some bread and cheese. Nobody would fight this guy, and he decided, okay, fine, God's, God's got me, I'll do it. Right. It reads just yeah. like a, a narrative history instead of yeah. a made-up fairy tale. And that's what Scripture does all throughout. And I love archaeology and, and hearing how archaeology not necessarily proves, I think prove is the wrong word, but it verifies, it corroborates what we see mm-hmm. the biblical history record. And we see that time and time again. Goliath certainly is not the only giant in the Bible. Who are some of the other giants mentioned in the Bible? Maybe they're lesser known. Can you shed some light on some of these other giants of of the Scriptures? Yeah, definitely. So this was exciting because, you know, as many times as I'd read the Bible, I had never noticed Deuteronomy chapter 2 and 3 where we read about Og, king of Bashan. And if you actually read Deuteronomy 2 and 3 together, you realize that there was a group of people in Canaan known as the Raphites. And they were, and I think it's Deuteronomy 2 that, that actually refers to them as giants. And then in Deuteronomy 3, we read that Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Raphites. And then Moses does something really, really weird. He describes Og's bed, 
mm-hmm. which we don't really have anywhere else in the scripture. He describes it as being six feet wide, 13 feet long, and made of solid iron. And those are details that, that really don't make sense outside of the fact that this, is, this was a giant who, if his proportions were, were like our modern beds today, he would have been somewhere between 11 and 12 feet tall. Mm. Just enormous. The beast of a man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're talking with Charles Martin Jr. He's the author of the book Giants, and this is a book for the whole family. This is something that kids could enjoy. Charles, what age would you say would be a good starting place for kids to be able to understand and to grasp some of the content of this book? To truly understand, I would say maybe on a basic level, you could get eight, nine years old even. Okay. If you're just looking at pictures, sure, six-year-old, no problem, six, seven. Mm-hmm. But to really, I think, really get it, you're probably looking at a middle grade, 10, 11, 12, somewhere yes. around there. Yes, yeah, I agree with you on that. And so, friends, if you'd like to pick up a copy of that, you can call our ministry, 1-800-652-1144, or visit us online at swrc. Dot com. Again, the title of the book is Giants, a great book for your kids, grandkids, others that could really enjoy this. And it's not the kind of book that you would see in a typical church library or Sunday school classroom. And so it really adds something to that kind of thing as well. So perhaps that would be an avenue that you could explore through this book as well. So again, you can reach us at 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting us online at swrc.com. And Charles, uh, what are some of the other popular giants outside the Bible? In the book, it doesn't just explain the biblical giants, but you go into detail about some of the other giants that are found outside of Scripture. Who are some of these popular giants? We can thank Marvel for the popularity of Frost Giants. I think prior to the Thor movies, nobody knew who Frost Giants were, but in Norse mythology, and this is actually one of my favorite stories. So their creation story is that there were two lands, one called Muspel, which was volcanic and lava, and another called Niflheim, which was ice. And the fire and ice mixed and created the first giant named Emer. And Emer started sweating because of the lava, and his sweat turned into frost giants, mm-hmm. which is utterly ridiculous. But I absolutely love that. I think it's great. The Norse treated frost giants like they were a real race of people to the north of them who were very violent, very wicked, cannibalistic, and, and treated them like they were real people. So obviously we know that they didn't emerge from somebody's sweat. But that doesn't mean that they weren't an actual race of giants. That's probably the most popular group of giants that that people know now. Mm. So I had to guess. So as you close the book, you bring it forward to our modern times. Do we still see giantism in our modern world today? We do. Absolutely. The tallest recorded person in modern times was Robert Wadlow. He died around 1940. I think he was only like 22 years old. Hmm. But he was 8 foot 11. So wow. pretty pretty close to Goliath, who was about 9 feet. And then, of course, Andre the Giant. Right? Yes. If anybody watched wrestling in the 80s or, or has seen Princess Bride, well, yeah, we know who Andre the Giant is. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was 7 foot 4, mm. which is kind of on the small side for, for modern giantism. But if you look at him next to the actor Carrie Elwes in the movie, in Princess Bride, 
Terry Elvis is six feet tall, hmm. and Andre the Giant towers over him. Wow! So seven foot four is, is still enormous. Yes, it is. And a lot of the NBA basketball players and things are six eleven, seven foot, and yeah. and and going up from there as well. How do you think the various stories about the giants developed after the Tower of Babel, as it's described in Genesis 10 and 11? Full disclosure, this is mostly my pure speculation. I want to clear that because sometimes I speculate and people get mad at me for claiming the Bible says something it doesn't. And I'm not claiming this. There are a couple different types of giant stories. And we have giant stories that go back to the ancient past that refer to some of the first people in creation as giants. Similar to what we see in Genesis 6, where within a few generations we have the Nephilim, who were giants, and we have those different kinds of stories. Genesis calls them heroes of old, mm-hmm. men of renown. Yes. And then we see in other cultures like Norse mythology or Greek mythology, we see giants as an ancient race of people who were both violent and wicked and destroyed by a flood in many cases, which is interesting, but also useful and helpful. For example, in Greek mythology, it was the Titan Prometheus who brought fire to humans. In Indian mythology, it was the god Agni who brought fire to humans. In the Simshian people of Alaska, it was a demigod named Giant who brought the sun to people. So we, we kind of see these things emerge as major themes across the world. And I personally believe that a lot of those stories probably came down from the pre-flood people and were dispersed with the Tower of Babel. And so that would explain why we have similarities, but would also explain the changes that we see. Mm -hmm. But then we have a second type of giant story, and that deals with more local giants. There's a story from the late 1800s or early 1900s from England, and it was a town called Grabist. They had a friendly giant who would scoop fish out of the ocean for them. And in one particular interesting story, there's a bad storm and a fishing ship called the Dorcas Jane was out. The ship got stranded. They were going to sink. And out of the water emerged their friendly giant who lifted the ship up with two hands carried it to land, put it down, got everybody off board. And this story was recorded by the newspapers, people I witnessed it. It was put in the ship's logs. It was reported to the shipping company. I think a lot of the local stories probably refer to maybe legend. Maybe it's just things people made up. But I think a lot of them refer to actual remnants of this giant race that we had in the early, early, early stages of our history. Some people take Bible accounts, Aesop's fables, and Greek myths, and they place them all in the same category. But what if some of the old legends are true? Rather than dismiss these narratives, perhaps we should investigate them. Giants, Legends, and Lore of Goliaths by Charles Martin is an illustrated book that will show you one more reason that the Bible can be trusted. The world is filled with giant legends that speak of heroes and wars. In this highly engaging book of giants, you will discover unique glimpses into the ancient accounts of giants from around the world. You'll learn what the Bible says about giants, 
there's a full-color artistry developed in an interactive format with fold-outs and flaps, booklets, and more. It also includes a spectacular center spread stretching four feet across. So order your copy of Giants, Legends, and Lore of Goliaths today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Author and conference speaker Greg Patton is here, ready to share the next installment of Living in Today's World. Today, Greg is looking for a few good men. I think it goes something like this. The Army, is it the Marines, looking for a few good men. You know what? I think Christianity is doing the same thing, trying to find some good men, some strong men. That uh, church out there on the West Coast recently what put a couple of pastors in charge. The problem is they are women, pastors, a few good men. What in the world is going on? Of all the things the United States of America needs, uh, stronger borders, right? better paying jobs, and we need some basic concerns, some safety for our streets. We'd like to go back to the way it was in mom or grandma's day. But there's something we desperately need in America, and that's stronger men, certainly in the church today. We have acquiesced in so many areas. We have just dropped the ball. The days of Billy Sunday and the likes. Where have we gone wrong Enemies within the church, you've probably heard about that. You know, the other side has spent decades running men down. That's one of the battles that we're having today. Blaming men for everything from climate change to, are you a patriot? Oh, what does that mean? You know, strong men, I guess, really aren't the problem. For America, for the church, we have to have better men. Now, what would that mean? All is not well with the guys in this country. The numbers tell the tale. Men are lonelier than ever, according to the latest studies. They're dropping out of the labor force in greater numbers than ever before. They're quitting churches by the droves. They're struggling more with drug abuse and alcohol and pornography than ever. They increasingly forego a college education, even as they delay getting married, maybe, and having kids. Men? Where are the men? You know, but those on the other side, they don't see it that way. Oh, no. The boys of America, the men listening to this program today, you're the reason for all of the sins in the world. We're going to discount Satan and his demonic forces. It's you, man. They say masculinity is toxic. That simply to be a man in today's world, to make a world a worse place, just put a man in charge. They propose you do away with traditional masculinity altogether. I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. That other group over there campaigning to re-educate men begins as early as preschool, where too many boys are punished for being aggressive in their play. And if they don't comply, they're medicated out of their boyishness. Yeah, give them another pill. As young men, they're denied manufacturing jobs that allow their dads to earn a great living. The governing class have long ago shipped those jobs overseas. They're not available anymore. And they've been set adrift on college campuses filled with those crazies, the activists who despise them, despise you. 
and popular culture relentlessly bangs that same drum. When men aren't morons, they're actively evil in the world today. You know, at the bottom of all of this, this critique of men in America today is rooted in the big lie. And you know who the father of lies is, right? John 8, 44. I talk about that in my new book, The Invisible War on the Saints. It's all predicated on that, the lie, and Satan is in charge of it all. So men shouldn't be leaders. That's the big lie. Men shouldn't be creative. That's the big lie. They certainly shouldn't be heroes. We don't want any of those today, but just consumers looking out for number one. When I get myself taken care of, I might have a little time for you. You know, it's just the opposite of the Bible. We need some real men to stand up. America's men have the power, really, to transform this country for the better. That's what we need. We want to curb the epidemic of child poverty, do we? Well, why not? Well, then get a dad to start contributing to his wife and children. We have so many women in America that are the man of the house. What is wrong with this picture? You want to address the problem of youth violence? Put a dad in the picture that has some backbone. Men can help bring peace and order to a nation that's racked by crises. If you'll let them and not put them down, they can change the destiny of America. They can change the destiny of their heritage and their family. Hey, men can change a whole neighborhood. Their power, once tapped, can be a mighty world-shaping thing. Now, wouldn't that be wonderful today? Now, wouldn't that be something living in today's world? A real dad, a real man. You know, we talk about power. Everybody wants power, but that alone is not enough for manhood today. Power only comes from true strength, a force for good when it's used in the right way and for the right reasons. But you know what we need is is a guide, a roadmap for what it means to be a good man, and that can be found throughout the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And certain portions or chapters of the Bible speak exclusively to this. A good man? Absolutely. You know, the first portion of Scripture that I taught my kids after John 3.16 and a run down the Romans road to salvation— All of my children learned and memorized Psalm 1 in the Bible. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." But the wicked, there we go, the other the wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You know, men today have so many negatives coming in from the outside. When I did my media presentation around the country on the negatives of radio and television, and now there is such a proliferation of all of that stuff, it was G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. So the more you violate Psalm 1 here, the greater problems you're going to have in your life. It should be G-I-G-O on a spiritual plane. God in, God out. See, this is, this is the problem today. Men, where are you? 
We need a few good men. So where could we find some direction? Where could we find that roadmap? We should turn to the faith of our fathers, beloved. In the same breath that other side attacking traditional manhood, they attack traditional faith as well. Every Christian listening today has a target on his or her back, and that's not a coincidence. Faith and manhood are linked. Oh, yes, they are, because for hundreds of years, men have looked to faith, to the Bible, to understand who they are and what they can be in this world. In this time of turmoil, our ancient faith can guide us once again to great victory in Jesus. The story of the Word of God, the story of the Bible, is more than a collection of familiar tales. It's an invitation to men to find their place in the cosmos, to take up their role in the grand drama of life that supercharges their lives with meaning, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Beginning with Adam in the garden, the Bible says men are tasked to bringing order to the world, transforming chaos in the world to beauty, the wilderness into a garden. To perform that noble task, every man must form his character. He must shape his soul through Almighty God. The path to manhood is a path of virtue. Men are called to form the character of husbands and fathers in America today. They are charged to give themselves for others humbly accepting their own limits, just as Abraham devoted himself to his wife, Sarah, and trusted God's promises of a son to come. Men are called to the character of warriors, of builders, doing something. They must battle evil and bring beauty out of chaos, just as Joshua challenged those monsters of Canaan, and David laid the foundation of God's temple. Men, where are you? Overall, we need some good priests and kings. Do you have that kind of character, sir? You got to bring the promise of eternity everywhere and use your power to preserve truth and liberty. You shall know the truth. It's going to do what? Set you free. For too many years, American men have heard one story, that somehow you're so yesterday and you're so oppressive and mean and nasty that the best you can do is stand aside and let today's elites come forward and run things in America. It's a story preached by our contemporary culture from cradle to grave. Stand down, back off, be more loving, be more passive. You're just going to make things worse this way. Wait a minute. Time to stop all that nonsense. So what do we need? It's time to start telling a better story to America. It's time to call our boys and men to lead, don't you think? You know, there's a guy out there by the name of Josh Hawley. Have you heard about him? He represents the great state of Missouri, the show-me state in the Senate. And he's the author of Manhood, the Masculine Virtues That America Needs. We need more guys like Hawley out there. You might want to take a read there, gentlemen, and see if you're one of those strong men, one of those good men. The hour is late. Jesus is coming soon. This is no time to bow to the enemy or dip the flag. It's time to raise it higher than ever. Yep, it's the new America. It's a flood of evil. But if good men will stand up and do something, you're going to see some changes in this great country that we live in. Just one more thought. Living in today's world. Giants, Legends, and Lore of Goliaths by Charles Martin is an illustrated book that will show you one more reason that the Bible can be trusted. 
Through historical records, the pre-flood and post-flood worlds are reconstructed with giants re-emerging in and around Israel. Order your copy of Giants, Legends, and Lore of Goliaths today. Call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Donald Perkins will begin a new series looking into Bible prophecy and heaven. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.